You have arrived at your destination. Well, that <laughs> that's a good joke. That's a good joke. Time for a podcast. It's too bad I wasn't recording when you said Damn that. Damn it. That was, oh, that was a good joke. <laughs> It's time for the Video Destruct Podcast, Haas. Woo! How you doing, buddy? I'm great, man. Fresh off vacation. Yeah, that's right. You were in a town. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Michigan. Michigan. Went to the lovely town of Frankenmuth. You see Great Lakes? You saw the Great Lakes up there? Uh, I saw Lake Erie. Does that count? Yeah. I saw the Detroit River. That smells weird. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> I assure you it does. I assure you it smells weird. Uh, AEW happened. Uh, their all-out pay-per-view uh, happened. We like to open up with wrestling for some reason. I don't know if that's a thing we... Well, we, we're we constantly thinking about wrestling, so... It's true. It's true. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I watched uh, All Out um, after it was all done. And uh, it was a uh, pretty good pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. I, I had a good time with like the marquee matches. Some of the other matches, I... I still think we need a weekly TV show to flesh a lot of those characters out. Yes. Uh, and I that's agree. coming as somebody who's seen a lot of these guys on the indies. And I think my problem is a lot of these characters mm-hmm. have played so many different versions of themselves on the indies. I don't know which one I'm supposed to be thinking that they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So like the dark order or the super smash brothers, as they were known on the, uh, on the indies, mm-hmm. it's like, Okay, I guess they're heels now. I, I guess they're bad guys. Who knows? <laughs> they were baby faces for like a really long time. But hey, sure, whatever. Why not? Um, did uh, you watch NXT UK? I didn't watch NXT UK yet. Uh, I will. It's real good. Prob- yeah, I'll probably watch that pretty soon. My my big mark out moment for All Out was Orange Cassidy's uh, appearance. Yes, I I thought that was the best thing in the whole uh, in the whole stunt of it all. Uh, the, it's going to be interesting to watch them balance Orange Cassidy's comedy with something to where you can take seriously, because I, I don't think they can like do the really really comedy bits like when like him versus Hornswoggle. You know, I don't think they can take it that far. They they um, have to. I don't know. I, I th- what if for the first six months you do kind of a gimmick where like he's always gonna have a match and never really has a match. Yeah, uh, you know he goes out there to help the super best friends, but really what yeah. he does is he teaches them the power of friendship. Yeah, and he yeah. never actually has to get in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that that's what I'm saying is like you kind of have to balance this idea of him being this nonchalant, you know, laissez faire dude that just doesn't. But but it's also a a just sort of a mind game that he plays. You know what I mean? So yes, uh, the the best match that Orange Cassidy has had is against David Starr on the Indies. That's on youtube and that's kind of like you kind of get the idea that what he's doing is he's messing with him he's not just being like oh I'm, he's just he's messing with this dude and like that's that's how he gets it yeah know. he's definitely had more closer to realistic wrestling matches yeah. uh it's almost like a he's a very sleepy version of eddie guerrero's cockiness yeah, yes. It's just instead of him wanting to lay on the ropes and, you know, make a cool pose, he just really wants to take a nap. Yeah, really. really and you're just getting in the way of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. think that's cool because I'm a fan of a nap. Agree. Agreed. Uh, I'm excited for Orange Cassidy. Uh, AEW lost their belt uh, within seconds of it being yes. crowned. Uh, a little bit um, of the bubbly and then it went yeah. missing. And then it went missing. Uh, no, he, he lost it at a uh, Jericho lost it in a in a limousine, I, I believe. He set it at in a there long, at a Longhorn Steakhouse. Yeah, he went to a Longhorn Steakhouse. He set the belt in a limousine. The limousine went back to the airport, grabbed the wrong suitcase, went back to get the right suitcase. Belt was gone. So, uh, yeah, uh, but it has been found. It has already been found by the Florida police, apparently. So, but they're probably going to work it into an angle. I think it'd be fun. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. My guess is that the limo driver mistakenly put it in the bag that was the wrong bag, thinking, yeah. "Oh, this needs to go back in that thing." Yeah, but yeah. but who knows? Uh, yeah. Who knows? Wrestling's stupid. 
Yeah, wrestling's crazy. And I love it. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I did like that the cops were posing with it. Well, I mean, <laughs> what, what else do you do when you find a championship belt? Agreed. I agree. You, you pose for it. It's a good belt. Looking, good looking belt, too. Honestly. It's a great looking belt. Did you see the women's belt? I did. I like the women's belt. I think their women's belt looks really good. I think it looks a lot like the old NWA women's belt. Yes, it does. It has a very NWA vibe. They like their ovals. Like a, like a lot of their things have yeah. a lot to do with the NWA. It's, at a certain point, it's like, you guys could have just bought that name. But then again, that name's been drugged through the mud so much. It's kind of like Impact. It's true. Where, like, no matter how good Impact's product is, it's always going to be saddled with the memory of what it was. Mm-hmm. Of what that was. And it's a shame. And that was a thing. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, but that's it for wrestling, uh, I think. Let's, yeah, uh, let's move on from the wrestling. Let's move on to some video games because uh, you've played video games. Um, I have. Yes. Uh, Tomb Raider. You wanted to talk about Tomb Raider. Yeah, so randomly, uh, I guess about four weeks ago, um, I'm sitting at home, and nobody's online, so I can't play any games with anybody, and I'm going through my catalog, my way, way, way too big video game catalog on my computer, and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, man, I never finished Rise of the Tomb Raider on the Xbox One when I played it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, man, that means I'd have to play it all the way back through from the beginning. Well, on the upside, I wouldn't remember it anyway, so screw it. Let's just go ahead and... <laughs> I, I want to beat Rise of the Tomb Raider. Sure. So I download it and decide I'm basically just going to do a straight-through run of Rise of the Tomb Raider. Okay. Uh, I did a little... Near the end of the game, uh, I did a little bit of the side stuff, but I basically just kind of barreled through that game like it was linear yeah. uh, for the most part. And, man, let me tell you, Rise of the Tomb Raider is fucking great yeah uh that game really goes places man uh that the the only reason i'm bringing this up is a it's something that i've played but b it's something you can really get on the cheap Mm -hmm. on any platform and man it looks awesome it plays super great and i really really loved that story and Mm -hmm. man (laughs) had i finished it at the time it's got a hell of a cliffhanger yeah uh yeah that that whole story and the way that their set pieces work near the end mm-hmm. uh, is just super satisfying, man. Yeah. Uh, and that leads into another game that I played. Yeah. Once I beat Rise of the Tomb Raider, I was sitting around going, I think I'm going to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which right. has ray tracing support on the computer. Yeah. So I played another ray tracing game. Yeah, that's not a very good use of ray tracing. <laughs> <laughs> but I er- will. What's yeah. that? It was an early use of it, wasn't it? Wasn't that it like is? One the- it's also yeah. one they kind of just stapled it on afterwards, and it's it's a lot of global illumination stuff, but it's nowhere near as impressive as the stuff that they did for Metro, right? Which to a lot of people's eyes wasn't really that obvious, right? But for me, like sitting this close to a really nice monitor and stuff like that, like really kind of fleshed out the world. Uh, so if you weren't impressed with what Metro had to offer, don't worry about turning it on for Shadow of the Tomb Raider because it's still as un in your face as it is. It's still very taxing on mm-hmm. my 2080 Ti. Right. Uh, so just bear that in mind. But I will have you know, Shadow of the Tomb Raider kicks fucking ass too. I think people were a little bit harsh on that thing last year. The MacGuffin enemy, the I'll say, you know, there's always a mystical angle in this thing. Yeah. Uh, the mystical demon, you know, jungle warrior things. Sure. Not great. Yeah. Not, um, like, I don't, not interesting or just like... Kinda... It, it's kind of a one-note thing. Yeah, yeah. the way that they work, it's like... It's, it's a... It's a zombie. Let's just call it that. They're not zombies, yeah. but but if you but, can think fast-moving zombies, that's the way that they get you. It's pop scares and a crew of them running at you. That's right. the way that they attack. And there's just not that doesn't leave a lot of room for variety. But in the rest of the game, when you're fighting the actual soldiers, the soldiers are way smarter. Yeah. Uh, than even they were in Rise. Gotcha. Um, which is very nice. Uh, I like a lot of the new mechanic. I like the covering yourself in mud and pinning up against a wall. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then just straight jacking fools as they walk by. Yeah. Um, it, it all comes together in a package that 
is, you know, for it to be the conclusion of what they're calling her prequel trilogy thing, uh, really makes me wonder what they're going to do next. Um, those games have all sold well enough that they're not going to put Tomb Raider to bed. Even if it's not what they consider one of their marquee franchises, they're going to keep making those things. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what comes next. Uh, and man, at full blast, even with ray tracing turned off on a modern computer, that game, you'd be hard pressed to find much other than our next game that we're going to talk about that looks yeah. better than it on the planet. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, Tomb, Tomb Raider, like uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider or was, um, I played through the first like level where you go through that Spanish town like, and, yes. and, and, and during De Los Muertos and I, it's a beautiful freaking game, like absolutely gorgeous yeah. to look at. So, yeah. And like that lighting in there is, is really, really great and it's yeah. very convincing. And, you know, as someone who, you know, like I have recently seen that movie Coco, Yes. I actually think this is more of a convincing uh, look into a town during uh, Dia de los Muertos than that is in a lot of ways. Sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. It looks so damn realistic. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I I really enjoyed my time with Shadow of the Tomb Raider. There you go. Boom. Cool. What was the other game you wanted to lead into? Control. Control, yes, which is... Sort of on topic of what we're talking about later on, old ass. Yeah, game. we're going to be talking about uh, Alan Wake later, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we we always kind of like to tie our old game to something that's new uh, whenever possible, and uh, yeah, uh, very convenient comparisons can be made between Alan Wake and Control. Mm-hmm. Have you consumed much David Lynch content in your life? <laughs> I I know of David Lynch stuff. Um, you know, I I've watched Eraserhead. Uh, I've seen a few episodes of um, of Twin Peaks. Uh, I've actually watched the first full episode on Netflix. Um, that that's a very interesting uh, thing because the first episode is played very straight. Uh, yeah. And, and there's not a whole lot of weirdness involved with it, which is which was well, kind of surprising. So, Well, that's the thing I'll tell you about David Lynch's weirdness. And some of his other, like the later Twin Peaks stuff, the weirdness is a little bit more on the nose. Mm-hmm. But the thing with David Lynch's weirdness that I've always really respected is that he doesn't, ever let his characters stare at the camera and go, this is so crazy. They, (laughs) he lets the horror or the, you know, unsettlingness of something start to take form as concrete before he starts unleashing a lot of weirdness. Yeah, Yeah, Um, that's true. It's, it's just his MO. Yeah. And, Control does that too. I would actually okay. say that the first um, hour to an hour and a half of Control is very unsettling. Yeah. Like, it's not a horror game. It's just unsettling. Yeah. So I'm... And spoilers for the first, like, 20 minutes of Control. Okay? Okay. Uh, which, if you've seen any coverage of this game at all, like, it, it, this, you've seen this. Yeah. But just to give you a good idea of what we're talking about. So... You show up at this government built in, uh, building called the Bureau of Control. Yes. And you walk in the front door and no one's in there. Right. So there's something about a government building where all the lights, most of the lights are on. Yeah. And there's no one in it. That is right. naturally unsettling anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so you start walking down and it's, really really crazy the way that they have set up like a switchback hallway where you Mm -hmm. walk up these stairs and you walk upstairs and you meet a janitor yeah and he becomes kind of a central character he's for lack of a better phrase you there's always information givers right in david lynch's oh yeah oh yeah oh Um, yeah there's always they're always there's the people that give you the information you need right now. And there's the people that give you stuff that's so crazy, astronomically deep level information that you probably won't get it until the end. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's like sort of like talking about the forest for the trees, like information, like exactly. Even, yeah, yeah. It's it. All right. You don't even know that there's going to be a haystack, but you've already found the needle, but you don't know what to do with the needle. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, where yeah. so you meet this. Uh, I think his name is uh, Uti. Mm-hmm. But not like the but great power. The great power Uti is uh, not the great yes. power. Yes, <laughs> and he's the head janitor, and you're walking down this hallway, and he's the only person that's in the building so far that you've run into. And he right. turns and looks at you, and he goes, "Oh, great! You must be my new assistant. You need to walk right. down the hallway and fill out your HR paperwork. You work for me now." Okay. And, uh, so, your first mission in that game is to go fill out your HR paperwork so that you can become the assistant janitor. Okay then. And then within five minutes, you watch the director of the Bureau of Control blow his brains out. All right. And then you're the director of control. Okay, then. And you get a gun that is consistently changing shape. Hmm. That is, it is your, uh, your er weapon. It will become whatever you need it to become over the course of this video game. Right. Yeah. I, I have seen that. Like when, like, she pulls out the gun. It sort of like shapes it's itself. Shifting. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's shifting. shifting around like little pieces of metal. Like kind of like it's a glitch kind of a thing. Yes, yeah. it will become like a shotgun. It will become like you know assault rifles, things like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's only the first of many other weird things that you're going to encounter in that game. Right, and this game does incredible things with dark rooms. Okay, and lighting. Yeah. And even if you're playing it on the consoles that don't have ray tracing, they have actually built in through like spe- a screen space reflection technology ways mm-hmm. for them to duplicate a lot of ray tracing style techniques on regular rasterized video cards. Oh, okay. It's very impressive technology. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have heard, FYI, if you're running on a standard Xbox One or a standard PS4, this game kind of runs bad. Okay. But it, this is as close to a next-gen game as I've ever seen. Oh, yeah? Like, the next uh, level up, huh? This is it. It, it, do, it does look pretty gorgeous. Um, the uh, the way you throw things around and, you know, because you have, yeah. like, I guess telekinetic powers in this at some point. I mean... You get uh, all sorts of shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, Very your cool. ability to build shields, to throw things, to harness items in the environment, to fight these crazy... People like the uh, once you get past that point, like there's just people floating in the air all over the building. Yeah, unconscious people floating in the air. There's always a voice whispering in your ear, and it's and a lot of people actually talk in the same way that like uh, the uh, the short man in the red room and in the velvet room did in yeah. uh, in Twin Peaks, where it's like right. gum you yep. like will. Oh, back in style. The, the, shit. <laughs> There's a lot of that shit yeah. uh, in this game. It's fucking great, man. Yeah. Uh, and this story, I'm going to have a hard time not giving this best story at the end of the year. Okay, nice. It might be there one of know. the best video game stories I've ever seen. Wow, that's impressive. You uh, do love your like, David Lynchian type of, uh, type of storytelling, though. And, and here's the thing. I know people who don't. Yeah. And they love this. Yeah, yeah. It's like, now the game it's like, we're gonna, the game we're gonna talk about is our old ass game. Yeah, I would actually say is so deeply rooted in you appreciating David Lynch's stuff that if you don't like David Lynch stuff, I don't think right. you'd like Alan Wake. Right. But I know people who are not David Lynch people that yeah. love the narrative in this game. Yeah, you, you you could probably call this like consumable David Lynch. I would say. This is David Lynch for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, for, for the for the normal guy, yes. for the working man. Yeah, yeah, for a blue collar Joe's, uh, <laughs> you know, complete idiot's guide to David Lynch. That's what this yeah. is. Yeah, uh, and and that's not throwing stones at people who don't like David Lynch's stuff. It's so weird right. that most people just. I'm not yeah. going to devote that many cycles of my brain to whatever the fuck this thing well, is. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't like yeah, that, that. That sort of thing doesn't it doesn't cycle well to to the to the nor, you know to just like normal. Yeah, th- he doesn't conventionally like want to yeah like in, involve yourself into something where you're just like you're like something completely unexpected happens and you're like, well, I don't get that at all. <laughs> and it's it's like and yeah, 
Yeah, a good example would be back in the uh, the late winter, early spring. I think I might even have mentioned that I was rewatching the third season of Twin Peaks because the first time I watched it, I enjoyed it. But then like the last third of the season, I kind of lost the strain. Right. And I walked away from it going like, I don't really know how I felt about that. Well, yeah. when I rewatched the finale of season three of Twin Peaks, yeah, I didn't want to talk to anybody for like two days. <laughs> Because all I was doing was thinking about it. Like, like to the point. Yeah. Well, Conceptualizing. And I kept, yeah. And I kept talking to my wife about it. And there came a point where she was like, you, you need to stop fucking talking to me about this stupid TV show that you like. <laughs> like it, it got to that point. Yeah. 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 And I, I know that sounds completely insane, but for me, it was like, is it this? Could it be this? Does he mean this? What does he mean by this? You know, yeah. like just asking myself all these questions and then going all the way back to the beginning of at the time, did he even know that this was what this was going to mean? Right. You know, just asking myself all those kinds of questions. Yeah. It's very, very wild. And I had a great time with it. And that's the thing about Control that I like is that it's still weird. Yeah. It's still very noir. It's still very, you know, like uh, old Hollywood filmic. Mm-hmm. in the way that the design is, but it capitalizes on what makes Lynchian style stuff cool, but it yeah. does things that other Remedy games in recent memory have not done very well, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good shooter. I think oh. their last couple of outings yeah. have not been very good shooters. Gotcha. Yeah, so the gameplay is key as well. So Yeah, yeah. that caught up too. Yeah, that's And good. it's also like... They, with Alan Wake, they made something that was very by-the-book David Lynchian inspired. And I feel like with Control, they went way farther. Mm. And it makes you think that Quantum Break should have never been made. Yeah, it. I was going to say that, like the looking at the gameplay and everything, like it seems like Quantum Break in a lot of ways. Well, Um, yeah, and Quantum Break is, is a good game. But when yeah. I think remedy experiences, I typically think of like, you know, heads and shoulders above a lot of things. Yeah. And I didn't get that out of Quantum Break at all. I felt mm-hmm. like it was a middling Xbox One exclusive with way too much FMV at a time where Microsoft was kind of only putting out middling games. Right. You know, mm-hmm. the beginning of this generation was not very good for them. And it definitely felt like it, from a gameplay perspective and some aspects of performance that they were just shoving that game out the door because Microsoft had closed. Remember it's at the beginning of this generation. It's weird to think about Microsoft had all that video integration and they were going to be like your own TV station and all sorts of shit like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. By the time quantum break came out, all that their videos uh, production studio was shuttered. Yeah, and that's right. It was the last piece of that puzzle. And yeah. it just, it seemed like, you know, there, you had these like really long, like 30 minute TV show episodes in the middle of your game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and also when you, if you add on top of that, that if it wasn't for like the four hours of FMV that was in that, that yeah. game would have been like four hours. Yeah, exactly. It, it just, it was it, double the it time. It felt slapped together. Like, yeah, we yeah. got to get this thing out the door. Yeah, it felt very much like their PlayStation TV demo type of deal. You know, they had to uh, supplement the PlayStation TV with that and powers. Yeah. And, you know, it it just kind of died along with it. Is PlayStation TV still a thing? I don't even know. What, is it, is uh, it? They, it's, uh, they have their traditional TV thing. Uh, yeah. f- uh, PlayStation View? View. Interesting. I think it's V-U-E is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, their their video service is still a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Microsoft stepped away from that. I'm shocked that like the Xbox One X even still has the HDMI in on it for you to run cable through it. Yeah. Like yeah. that that just seems like a relic of 2013 that we all forgot about. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's like the Kinect doesn't even work with the Xbox One X. Remember right. when they told you that you had to have that thing and if it wasn't hooked up, the console wouldn't even work? Yeah. Weird. The last yeah, six years good. have been fucking weird, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 
but yeah i i I really really like control and the Mm -hmm. great thing about it is that it doesn't in any way feel hamstrung for the pc elitists Mm -hmm. uh by being on you know launch hardware for uh, playstation or xbox like it feels like a next gen game it looks like what everything is going to look like here in a couple of years and that's cool the environments are astoundingly good looking and realistic yeah and it's one of those things where uh i was frustrated in the first like two hours i was like this game doesn't have a map right what game doesn't have a map oh it doesn't need a map because in the world they have maps written like you would have in a government building and there are realistic signage around the world that you can actually read oh clever so you don't need it right it's very cool it's uh it's (laughs) it's so well designed and laid out and there's a there's a level of confidence in their design in that that I haven't mm-hmm. felt from them since probably Max Payne 2. That's cool. That's really cool. There you go. I guess they're back. They're back with their with uh with a vengeance, let's say. Randolph! Randolph! We're back. <laughs> We're back. Oh man. And you also played, uh, to finish up what you played, you played Bloodstained a little bit. Ritual of the Night. I did. Yeah. Have I played too many Metroidvanias lately? I mean, there's a lot of them out there, so it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm, I'm going to return to Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't love my first impression with it. My only problems with that game is the long-ass intro. Uh, <laughs> like... Uh, it took a while to get to the gameplay, and I think they probably should have not done that. Uh, you're sitting there talking Fire Emblem style for like 20 minutes, it feels like. Um, uh, and the slow pace of the main character. Uh, I think her stride is a little bit sluggish to me. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like she's not really moving. It might just be like the, the fluid animation with not really moving that far. Um, but it feels like, like Alucard was kind of, he floated kind of slow, you know, this feels slower for some reason. I don't know why. So I don't know. I, I'll say this, and this is probably not a shared opinion with most people. I preferred the look of the sprite base from the previous Bloodstained prequel game to mm-hmm. this i just don't yeah. like the look oh i oh i i 100% agree with that yeah yeah um i'd uh, rather have sprites than this like hand-drawn look i just i feel like yeah. so many it, this looks flash gamey to me yeah it, it it does have a a vibe of of um something you'd get uh from like a a really really independent type of uh like almost a mobile game in in yeah. a way yeah. yeah, like, like, like a, like a, like an infant, like a, like an infinite run game or something. <laughs> like, yeah, it just know. it doesn't it doesn't do it for me uh, yeah. visually, and yeah. that's a shame because you know I, I longtime listeners all know that mm-hmm. I'm a rabid Metroidvania kind of guy, but there have been so yeah. many that have been so high quality here lately that yeah. something about this didn't grab me from the beginning, and I, I don't know what it is. Sure, sure. Uh, but I am going to return to it. I'm going to let it sit there for a little bit. I am so close to, uh, you know, some of the other ones that I've played in recent memory that maybe it's just that I- I've played too many here shortly, you know? It's, yeah. Maybe I need to come back to it. Uh, yeah. I-, I do hear from a lot of people, though, that uh, I need to play Remnant of the Ashes. Mm, yeah. Uh, that is something that I will probably have played before the next podcast. Cool. Uh, Remnants of the Ashes is basically a it's Dark Souls but a third person shooter. Ah, uh, yes, I have heard of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that sounds up my alley. I'm gonna get. <laughs> I like first person shooters. I like Dark Souls. How awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Remnants from the Ashes is what it's called. So Remnants uh, from but the yeah, Ashes. Yeah, I, I I really like the way that that thing looks. So uh, we're gonna go give that thing a whirl and see what's up. So there we go. Uh, but yeah, that's about all I played. You've been watching anything, playing anything. 
Uh, I haven't really watched anything. I, or I haven't played anything. I did go see, uh, this is a while ago, but I did go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I can't stop thinking about that movie. Um, Good. That's, a, that's an awesome movie. I very much enjoy that. Um, it's uh, it's uh, one of, it's 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 a return to form for me with Tarantino. Um, I haven't liked anything is in almost twenty years. So should really? I watch that? I don't know then because it is very it's very much Tarantino esque. But because I, like, me... I like Jackie Brown, I like Pulp yeah. Fiction, I like Reservoir Dogs. I haven't liked yeah. anything else. You didn't like Kill Bill. You didn't like uh... no. Like uh, the down. first one, it needed an editor. They wouldn't stop. Uh, they wouldn't start talking in the first one. They wouldn't stop in the second one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if, if you could have edited that down to two hours and fifteen minutes, I think that would have been a kick-ass movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love Kill Bill Part One. I think it's fantastic. But, um, uh, yeah. So it, it it is a love letter to a time, a period of time. And this is a movie I feel like he's wanted to make for a long time because this is a it is a love letter to the 60s Hollywood of the 60s specifically. Um, and it's uh, it's very engaging. I, I, I very much enjoyed it. And if if you don't know what it's about um, and I don't know if you do or not, um, I know it's an actor and his stunt double and it takes place at the time of the Sharon Tate murder. Yes, it's 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 a, they they live next to Sharon Tate basically. And it's about this, you know, completely fictional actor Rick Dalton uh who's kind of a wash up from TV and he's trying to get a movie career going and it's not working out uh and his stuntman um and uh Cliff Booth and um they live next they live next to Sharon Tate or he does and uh, the the uh, the stuntman kind of like house sits for him all the time. He's like a gopher kind of a guy. Um, it's a very, is a very interesting movie. Um, you know, and uh, they, you know, Tarantino likes to take his pseudo realities and, and kind of, you know, it, it's not like real, it's not like real life, but it's not like completely fantasy either. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like, uh, but it, it's, it's a very fun movie. I think uh, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt really bring it in this thing like it's 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 a killer i absolutely loved it hmm. yeah. yeah i definitely need to check that the, out the, he, he he manages to pull some tension that he hasn't been able to pull uh since the opening scene of inglorious bastards um and uh yeah yeah he, he's attempted to make that like those tense scenes like as or like the you know the res the pulp fiction scenes where like you know uh Bruce Willis is going through his house, like expecting to get killed in any second, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. There's, there's a scene that really pulls off that tension and then it goes into the hyper violence and all that stuff. And uh, it's, you know, he, he excels at the hyper violence. So for sure, but it takes a while to get to that part. So, you know, it's uh so do you see Manson in that movie? You Manson does show up. He is never named um, on screen. You see Charles Manson, and then he is mentioned many times by uh, by his weird children family thing. You know, okay. Uh, they talk about Charlie, but you never see him on screen and named Charlie at all. So hmm. very very ominous figure in a in a, in a way. So uh, I, for some reason, you mentioning that in the uh, potentially uh, you know divisive nature of of him uh mm -hmm. me and my wife tried watching the handmaid's tale right yes i don't know how people watch that um i i think that show is comically awful um, <laughs> i don't know i i don't know it, it is i um, think it's i think it's well shot i think yes it's it's fine but here's the thing is that me and my wife tend to watch tv like laying in bed before we, you know, before sleep and just, oh, maybe we'll watch a, a show of, you know, the Grand Tour or something, just like an episode. And, you yeah. know, she likes listening to the funny British men and I like the cars and it's relaxing. Yeah, there exactly. is nothing relaxing about that show. No, it is. It is very much oppression porn. Um, it, it's some weird new thing that 
people <laughs> people are, are are kind of obsessed with. I don't get it. Like I don't understand the uh, the vibe that those shows give out. Like, or right yeah. after the quote unquote sex scene yeah. in the first episode, I just went like, "Do you want to watch something else?" Yeah. <laughs> and she just was like, oh, thank God. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't want to watch this, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I I think that show is just like it. It is it is um, uh, it's schlock. It's like it's it's like what what B movie schlock used to be, but like shot really well and like presented with a with a new uh vibe of the horror you know what i mean it's like it's like oppression but it's it, it, it's like gore porn you know what i mean but it's oppression porn you know it's just like all right i get it and it, i don't i don't i don't feel the vibe of it i don't understand it i don't know why anybody want to watch it honestly yeah 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 yep. I, no thanks yeah yeah uh, it, it, it's it's like the it's like the torture porn stuff you know it's just i, I never got that stuff either like uh you know i I, for some reason, enjoyed the Saw movies, but it was more for the really stupid mystery that surrounded everything than any of the actual, like, you know, death trap scenes or anything. Like, I was a sucker in the Saw movies for the uh, scene at the very end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. they let you know, like, ah, oh, shit, I saw the solution of the of the puzzle at the beginning of the movie, but I was too stupid to realize it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, the, that cool music starts to hit. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, this is cool. Like that's what I love with the Saw movies. I don't care about the death traps. I like the cheesy music. I like the goofy mystery that, like, that's like what you thought was real is not. And it's, I, I love that shit. I think it's great. And then a bleeding old man shows up and slams <laughs> yeah. the door and goes, "Game over!" And you're like, "Game oh, over!" No. <laughs> Game over! And that dude's voice is just great. I love that dude's voice. So. Live or die. Live or die. Make your choice now. Uh, I, I love that shit. Yeah, it's great. Love that stuff. It's terrible. Uh, but I mean, oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's be it's be it's schlocky, but it's just I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> anyway, there's no fun in like Handmaid's Tale and like and like Hostel. There's no like fun in that. You know, it's just it's it's just mean, and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, but that's gonna do it for all of our other stuff. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break with this ad break. And uh, we'll be back with Alan Wake. And we'll wake up with Alan Wake. Sorry, I, I missed that cue. I should have said that first. I missed I, I fucked that up. Nope, it was fine the first time. <laughs> and we're back uh, with our topic of the day, our old-ass game of the day, uh, which is Alan Wake. Uh, hang on. Uh, I got a oh. couple of quick updates for you here. Okay, cool. Um, so the Nintendo Direct is going on right at the time we're recording this. Okay. Uh, Overwatch is coming to Switch. Okay, yeah, that, I forgot about that. I wanted to mention that because they, they, they tweeted out an Overwatch, uh, case for the Switch and deleted it real quickly. Yeah, they deleted it real quick. So I was like, why would you make an Overwatch case? (laughs) Uh, they announced that there's a multiplayer mode for the new Luigi's Mansion. It's two to eight players. Oh, Okay. Cool. Uh, it's kind of like a. It looks like almost uh, Mario Party s kinds of things. Luigi Mansion. Uh, it's Luigi. There is a new Kirby game that looks like kinda, it's a free to start game. Hmm. Uh. It looks like but, it can be playing alone or multiplayer. It's like a four player side scroller kind of thing. I'm not sure. It looks like it's something where you're gonna grind for gear and stuff. Right. Um. Uh, they announced Obra Din. Oh heck yeah! Love me some Obra Din. Love me some Obra Din. I'll buy uh, that twice. That screen is perfect for that game. Yeah, it would be perfect for that game. Uh, Great. I'll buy that game again. I never finished Obra Din. I need to go back and play that. So that new JRPG from the Game Freak guys, the Pokemon guys, uh, Little Town Hero. Oh, they cool. showed that, uh, nice. and that shit that comes out soon, October sixteenth. Oh, hello. Right around the corner. Uh, Banjo is out today in Smash. Nice. And Terry Bogard is coming to Smash Brothers. Hey, Terry. We knew it was an SNK character. That's cool. 
and he comes out in November. Mm, That's been a really good pack so far for 25 bucks. So you got Joker from Persona 5, the hero from Dragon Quest, Banjo and Kazooie from Banjo Kazooie, Mm -hmm. uh, Terry Bogard, and they still haven't even announced the fifth character yet. Yeah, yeah. Nice. There we go. And they have announced that there's going to be another season pass after that. So there's even more that will be coming. More of them? There we go. Uh, oh, shit. And they're bringing uh, one of, I think I talked about this on the podcast not too long ago, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Wii U uh, JRPG that had the Fire oh. Emblem guys and the Shimagami Tensei guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is coming to Switch. Nice. Sweet. That Sad. art style is very suited to that device so yeah that's that's cool that that's that's all my updates from here on the front line boom we're in the chopper thanks for that update uh keep keep us keep us uh that was chet studley in the chopper five helicopter yeah uh chet studley anyway thanks chet Thanks, Chet. Appreciate it. Um, but uh, moving on to Alan Wake, our Alan Wake coverage, uh, on to our um, uh, talk of Twin Peaks-esque style gaming in uh, for the Xbox 360 uh, back in the day. Yes. Uh, it also came out on uh, Windows later on, but this was uh, back near the beginning of the Xbox 360's lifespan. This was one of their like marquee games. So off the success mm-hmm. of uh, Max Payne and Max Payne 2, uh, yes. Microsoft announced that for the 360 that they had tied up the exclusive rights to Remedy's next game. Right. So, uh, and for those of you wondering why uh, Remedy was not making a Max Payne 3, uh, mm-hmm. it's because Rockstar maintained intellectual property rights for uh, Max Payne. Yeah, uh, when Remedy left. So that's why when Max Payne finally did get produced, it was produced in-house at Rockstar. So Right. Um, that is something that was much more uh, uh, prominent uh, back in those days was that the if the publisher was going to pay to make your games and market your games, they would typically assume rights over your franchise. It still happens today, but mm-hmm. especially with bigger name companies, it's less and less likely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you got something similar to that with uh, uh, Activision and Bungie when it came to Destiny. There had to be a business arrangement worked out for them to divorce themselves. Yeah, it was it was much more popular back then for that to kind of happen. But you know, even with uh, uh, like Bungie and Activision's breakup, neither of them actually one hundred percent owned the Destiny franchise. They both partially owned it. Right. So somebody had to pay somebody for Bungie to be able to walk away with it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's, that's how business works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the road to release for, uh, Alan Wake was much longer than, uh, than usual for games of that era. Uh, you know, you were used to a two to three year turnaround, it took over five years, uh, for Alan Wake to get made. And a lot of that was just because they were working with all new technology, a brand new engine, um, and they were working on the Xbox 360 hardware, uh, which at that time people were still getting used to. Right. Uh, and if you remember, if you go back and watch, I believe it was from, um, it was XO6. Microsoft used to have their own events um, called the right. XOs. Mm-hmm. Um, when they first unveiled Alan Wake, they did this like real time lighting day to night thing where it would show like from the middle of the night till the middle of the day and then back to midnight again, you know, all the shadows and lighting shifting and all that kind of stuff uh, yeah. and how their real time engine would work. That game was an open world game at that point. Oh, interesting. Similar to another game <laughs> that uses a very similar inspiration, Deadly Premonition. Yes. It was also... How weird of a comparison would that have been if Alan Wake and Deadly Premonition both ended up being open world games? Deadly yeah. Premonition was, Alan Wake ended up not being, but if they were both uh, David Lynch-inspired open world third-person shooters, what a fucking weird world that would have been. Yeah, <laughs> At least yeah. where Alan Wake wasn't open world, you were like, well, they're just different kinds of games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was so weird. Yeah, um, that is bizarre. But Alan Wake is definitely in the style of something like Half-Life, uh, yeah. where your main protagonist 
is someone that's not a big meathead. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, Alan Wake is a writer. He's a yeah. dude who goes to finish up. He's having a troubled time finishing his latest novel. So they go off to the Pacific Northwest to rent a cabin. They're going to hang out in the woods and, you know, enjoy the relaxing atmosphere as he finishes his, uh, his most recent book. And as soon as they get to town, weird things start happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his wife disappears. Yeah. And basically, Alan starts getting haunted by darkness. Yeah. Creepy, um, dark imagery and, and figures and a guy with an axe. And yeah. Yeah. The the shooting mechanics in that game are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you need enemies. Uh, you're safe when you're in the light because they're made of shadow. Right. And you walk around with a flashlight and it will recharge very slowly or you can collect Energizer branded batteries. <laughs> were they actually Energizer? They were. Branded? That's and funny. your cell phone was a Verizon cell phone. Oh, man. This was at the height of uh, integration yeah. with brands. Yeah, on the video gaming. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like you could find batteries that would allow you to basically jumpstart your... Uh, your flashlight without having to wait for it to recharge. Um, So the combat mechanic was actually very interesting. So left trigger would allow you to like focus your flashlight on an enemy to drain their health very fast. And as soon as think of that, like their shield. So once you drain all of their shield energy with your flashlight, you could finish them off the pistol. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. It can also be used as a form of crowd control. Okay. So if you're trying to back towards, say, a light uh, a light source, but there's multiple enemies coming at you, you can stagger them by doing the intense flash at them one at a time and uh, kind of bouncing yes. in between them. Right. Uh, so the game did a really good job of using that kind of mechanic to, uh, to great effect. You know, there's also explosive canisters and things like that that you can do uh, to, like a grenade, to blow all the shields off at once. Right. You know, the very intense flash of light all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, The game had really interesting mechanics from a gameplay perspective. I think that the game has flaws. And this Mm -hmm. was the first time with Remedy that I I had seen anything other than their best foot forward. This is the first of their two game partnership with Microsoft. And given the fact that Microsoft gave them a very long time to put this game together, mm-hmm. it somehow still felt kind of rushed. Uh, yeah. I think that they... Scale uh, had gotten in, uh, you know, like that uh, cro- uh, scope creep, if you want to call it that, or, uh, you know, that game suffering from scaling their creative image down right. uh, seemed like it kind of got in the way. Um, yeah. You know, you still had Sam Lake as their creator, also known as the face of Max and Max Payne 1. Um, yeah. You know, he was still there. Most of the team was still there. Uh, and they put out two pretty good DLCs with it. But this is the first time that Remedy's efforts hadn't been, like, widely, like, ferociously gobbled up by the masses. Um, gotcha. Did you have any experience with Alan Wake? Uh, I had none, actually. Um, I actually forgot what this game was when you wanted to talk about it. Um, and I got it mixed up with, I think, Heavy Rain. I thought it was one of those games, the Heavy Rain and the... Was it Ellen Page game? The That guy that makes those games? Um, uh, David Cage. David Cage. The David. Cage. I, I thought it was a David Cage game like when, when it first came to my mind. But then I remembered it was the same people that did uh, uh, Quantum... Uh, uh, Quantum... Uh, Break break quantum break and then control which you know obviously that's why we're talking about it and the next campaign game so you know uh i never had any experience with this one i i i'm looking at it now and i remember like you know seeing like the previews and the trailers and gameplay of it but no i never had actual any uh interaction with this game it's uh it's an interesting little uh blind side into it was it was something that like the people who spent the time to actually uh, play through the game like I I didn't see anybody walk away from it like 
feeling as though they had been ripped off or anything, but it was, uh, for me as such a ferocious fan of their work, it was something where I walked away from going, that was pretty good. Yeah. And pretty good just didn't feel like, you know, what I needed as a follow-up from, you know, the guys who made Max Payne 2. Right, which, yeah. for as old as Max Payne 2 is, I still feel like that story holds up, and that's not common of games from that era. It's true. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like you go back and, you know, look at the end of uh, Devil May Cry 1, where he's like, I was the one who was supposed to fill your black heart with lights! <laughs> that is a line from the end of that, that game. That is a line from the end of it. And it is shit. <laughs> I remember, but when I was like, you know, 16 or whatever, I was like, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't seem like something a robot nah. man would say. <laughs> nah, at 16, it's like, man, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool to listen we to dumb. Lincoln Park here. Yeah. We were dumb at 16. Everybody was we dumb. We really were. <laughs> um, so the interesting like kind of left turn that happens is that Alan Wake actually did kind of get a sequel. Yeah. Uh, they released Alan Wake's American Nightmare. Mm-hmm. So uh, brief spoilers for the end of Alan Wake. Uh-huh. Alan Wake ends on a cliffhanger. Okay. Alan Wake has these nightmares throughout the game and these kind of uh, these scenarios that happen throughout the game where he falls into water and he... It looks like a combination between a man in a spacesuit and also one of the deep dive suits, like from Bioshock that the Big Daddies wear. Right, 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 right. That they, they, they actually foresh—if I remember right—they foreshadowed that at the start of the game too. There's like they a do. poster of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. It's on the boat. Uh, yeah. When he's coming into town, and then it's also in the gas station when he's coming into town when he's yeah. picking up supplies. Yeah. And um, when he's in the. When he's in the cabin before the the light actually breaks and before you get the flashlight, it mm-hmm. like breaks the part of the cabin. It's like the yeah, that thing's sort of there. It reminds me of um the poster for the thing. Like but yeah. like the the thing from another world, like from way back in the sixties yes. version of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and also even like the Alan Wake uh poster. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. The actual cover not the one they put on the game the one that was in like the special edition cover that's just alan wake and uh you can see the color spilling from the wake and the yeah. smoke onto the ground like that's, that's right. very the thing or the thing from outer spacey too yeah uh, yeah yeah they definitely knew what they were going for it's that old uh physical horror uh you know but also a lot of that david lynchian kind of aesthetic weirdness um, yeah well, yeah, and there's weirdness. It's like you're, ah, I forget what his name is, your friend. Uh, he's also your publicist. Uh, the little the little wormy guy that looks like... Uh, yes. Wormy. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could remember his name. Barry. His name's Barry. Uh, okay. There is a scene in that where Barry becomes aware of what's going on and that the darkness is going to kill him. Uh, uh, so there's a scene where he shows up wrapped in Christmas lights. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the game that's uh, pretty good there's also a scene where you go to a heavy metal concert put on by these uh like the, the vikings of the old gods i think is their name oh uh, wow and they're playing like these old hair metal songs it's great that, nice oh, that game is fucking great uh <laughs> i'm remembering all these things i like about alan wake i'll have to uh you know what if i do a uh I'm I'm leaning towards doing an extra life this year, so who knows? Maybe I'll play Alan Wake for it. Uh, Maybe come over and watch me play Alan Wake. So. Watch play some Alan Wake. I'll be down for that. <laughs> uh, if anything, you'll you'll get some education, good sir. Right. Uh, no kidding. But yeah, I, uh, I I really like Alan Wake. I think that it's the first time I didn't like their shooting, and I think a lot mm. of the flaws I don't like about Alan Wake's shooting, I think uh, do. Uh, permeate through their next game quantum break but uh, alan wake's american nightmare tried to give you some kind of drip feed it was an xbox live arcade game in february of 2012 so it gave you some kind of shred of hope that remedy would be returning to alan wake sometime soon um but since then all we've gotten recently we have gotten some uh kind of confirmation from sam lake that they do own most of the rights of Alan Wake and that right. the door is open for them to continue that story. Right. This, this was an episodic game when it came out, correct? Was this, 
the game is told in episodes, but it was not sold episodically. Ah, okay, gotcha. It was yeah. paced like a miniseries, so there are actually parts in the game where after uh, a major... Uh, once one of the acts ends, it'll be like previously on Alan Wake. Oh, that's show cool. you... Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. a rerun of the cinematic. So that's which made cool. it really convenient to play. So it's like, yeah. I can play for two or three hours. Once I get to the end of the act, I can put it down and feel good about that. Yeah. Cause it'll remind me when I come back to it, like in a couple days or whatever. It'll remind me. What yeah. And happened. even when you restart it, even if you're in the middle of that quote unquote episode, you can actually do the previously on Alan Wake. Yeah. yeah. And it'll at least that's remind cool. you of like, Oh, it's been a couple weeks. Where the hell is I at in the story? Yeah, and it'll get you back up to ba- uh, up to date with where you were. Yeah, um, very very interesting. Yeah, I I really like it, man. It's uh it's something that it had some gameplay imperfections that I think that they honestly haven't gotten right until Control, which is what almost nine years later. Yeah, uh, but you could see that they were on to something, but it just took them time. Yeah, they just had to polish it out and. Uh, they didn't develop a whole lot of games in between then anyway. I mean, what no. is it, two, ga- two games in between, I think, that Remedy made? Uh, uh, well, there's Alan Wake, there's American Nightmare, there's Quantum yeah. Break, and then there's Control. Yeah, yeah. That's their so album. Like, yeah, so, uh, like, yeah, it was like it was like Death Rally, Alan Wake's American Nightmare, Agents of Storm, and which is an iOS game, it's not even really a game, and then Quantum Break. So, you know, between those two, and then all the way up to Control is when you said... Like, gosh, that was four years later for Control. So I don't even know what Agents of Storm is. I've never heard of it. It's some iOS game. It's it's not even clickable. Like the the article on on uh, Wikipedia, it's not even clickable. Oh, so. it's probably a thirty two bit app that doesn't even exist anymore. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Weird. So, yeah. Really but weird. yeah, like it. I think that you know we're definitely back on track now. But there is definitely like you know I had somebody the other day say like, man, I'm really liking Control. Should I go back and play Quantum Break? Mm-hmm. And my first question is, have you played Alan Wake? Yeah. And I say, if you've played Alan Wake and you've played Control, yeah, go ahead and play Quantum Break. It's of the pantheon of Remedy stuff. It's at the bottom of the pile for me. Right. Uh, but I definitely think it's still worth going back and looking at because I, even today, that game looks good on a computer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that Xbox version holds up. You know, it right. is backwards compatible, so it would be really easy to get a hold of and play. Right. Uh, but for my money, I think if you want something that's going to look modern, other yeah. than the pre-rendered cinematics that still run at 720p and kind of look like hell, yeah. Uh, you know, playing at 4K on a PC, the game looks great. Yeah, I'm I'm watching some 1080p HD footage of it right now, and yeah, it looks it looks really good. Like apart, yeah. like you said, apart from like the kind of plasticky faces that you would just have back then you know just how it was uh <laughs> facial technology you know is always hard to to get over that uncanny valley but it is uh yeah. and until they came up with the facial performance capture stuff uh yeah. honestly i would say the there had not been a real improvement since half-life 2 until performance capture came around right you know, like of the hand animated nature of faces there's only so much you can do with that yeah, yeah. Uh, there, uh, there, there's something to be said about this atmosphere, man. Like the whole, uh, you know, uh, Twin Peaks dark vibe, the Stephen King esque type of uh, situations. You know, uh, that upper main type of town, or you know, I'm not sure where this uh, game takes place, but just that sort of semi coastal town, tiny little area, and like weird stuff happening in it. So, you know, it's uh, it. it it's a it's a mainstay of of uh, of a lot of culture that we have. <laughs> and, and there's a bit that me and my buddy Todd, fan of the show, still laugh about whenever we talk about Alan Wake, is that yeah. they do this like demonic uh, filter on a lot of voices. And there's oh. this guy Carl Stuckey, who okay. is a shop owner. One of your early missions in the game is you need to go go to Carl Stuckey's shop. Come to find out, Carl Stuckey. Uh, not quite the Carl Stuckey that uh, I think they sent you to go find. And okay. uh, and he's like giving you wilderness lessons as he's stalking you in the woods. He's like, beware of Widowmakers. 
<laughs> uh, Stucky? Uh, Stucky? Stucky? You got, you got something in your throat, buddy. You got, Bro? You got some demonic in your it's, throat there. It's great. And that's actually one thing that I would say, just like Lynchian uh, horror, you know, thrillers do, is that there is a, in all Remedy work, there is a good amount of uh, lighthearted comedy that goes in there. If yeah. anything, just to make you unsettled enough so that when the next pop scare happens, you weren't ready for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, it, man, it, it's an interesting vibe that you get with that sort of thing. Man. It's, it's hard to explain it because it's not quite Stephen King. It's not quite HP Lovecraft. It's its own thing. It's very, it feels grounded in reality in almost every aspect of it until the weird thing happens and then it's just uncomfortably in your face. You know, the, the midget's talking backwards and it's, and he's in a weird room and, you know, stuff like that, you know, just sorry, the dwarf. Yeah. I would actually say uh, the thing with Lynch that also kind of separates him is his incredible attention to detail that branches stories. Yeah. That, if he brings the same character in, there's something about that continuity that I Mm -hmm. feel like he maintains better than just about anybody else. Yeah. You know, I think if in his pursuit of so much detail, I feel like sometimes Stephen King will lose a a little bit of what he thought was detail and colors will sometimes change. Or, yeah. you know, textures and clothing will sometimes change because yeah. he wrote that 100 pages ago. Right. Yeah. He keeps writing. He like keeps going with a lot of strength, with, with a lot of things. He's, he's that kind Lynch, of guy. It feels like he goes back and he rereads and he rereads and he rereads. And then he goes like, yes, yeah. that was the color of this dress. Yeah. It, it, it actually is, a, it equates very well to his, uh, to, to, or it, it works very well to how he actually does. Because a lot of the things that he does, he lets it breathe because like Bob, just became a thing. If people don't know, and we're getting into Twin Peaks area now here, but like Bob wasn't even a character when he when he started the whole thing about you know Twin Peaks. Like that happened organically because this freaking guy was on set and he liked the look of him, so we had him sit in a corner somewhere and he filmed him, and he didn't even know when he was going to use that. And eventually, it just became perfect time, you know, like this perfect timing of like, oh, we'll, we'll use that here, and then Bob became this whole thing. You know, it's like, it just like, just the way his head worked was just kind of like, I oh, will just film stuff and then like see what breathes well, you know? Yeah. I, I, and, I can and then, definitely see him pointing yeah. across the room and going, that guy looks yeah. weird. I want to talk to that guy. Basically is what it was. Yeah. It's like, cause he was just like a prop guy. Like he was like a prop setup guy. And he asked him like, Hey man, are you an actor? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I actually am. I'm studying to be an actor and everything. He's like, all right, cool. I want you to be over here. I'm going to film you. And we're probably going to do something with it. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know. And he's like, all right, cool. And then he became the villain of the show. <laughs> like It's like, you know, it's crazy. Uh, but he remembered that detail. Like it was like, you know, three days later after shooting and it was like, oh, wait, I have this film of, of, of that one guy uh, that we took. Let's make him the thing that he see. It's, it's great. It's, it's just, you know, because he has that attention to detail of what he did. And then he just goes back on it and retreads it and kind of lets everything breathe into something weird and dreamlike. It's very dreamlike the way he films, you know. And I'll um, tell you this, uh, the, uh, the, the one thing about the third season of Twin Peaks, and I, I, I'll, I swear I'll stop talking about this, and David Lynch, it's like he almost seems like he has a plan <laughs> for everything, because right. if he would have waited another year to do it, mm-hmm. like three key characters would have been dead. Yeah, and right. And he could have done it. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird, the serendipity that happened for that last season to, to happen the way that it did. Uh, yeah, yeah. And fuck it, man. Play some Alan Wake. Play Control. Yeah. Play Deadly Premonition. Watch Twin Peaks. Yeah. And video games, man. Right there, you go. Boom. Video games. Alan Wake and Control. Go, go play both of them. Maybe play Quantum Break too. Uh, <laughs> like, when you've played everything else. Yeah, play yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play. play uh, sorry, uh, Quantum Break. Quantum Break, yeah. After you play everything else, it's fine. And Max Payne. The Max Payne games are good. I remember playing them. That's one of the I remember. Uh, if, if you're going to play on PC, you got to jump through some hoops to play the first one, but the second one works yeah. just fine. There you go. Cool. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for our episode, guys. I think that's uh, that's it for our Alan Wake 
uh, retrospective and the retrospective oh, yeah. of, of Remedy Entertainment um, still going strong today. Uh, they've got a few projects coming up. Crossfire HD and Crossfire 2 is uh, to be announced, apparently. So, uh, yeah. There and we go. I think Boom. sometime soon they're going to announce a sequel to uh, either Alan Wake or Control, depending on how well Control does. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, that oh, would be cool if they did Oh, my that. God. What? <laughs> you okay? Are you, are you thinking of how they could link in Quantum Break and Alan no. Wake or something? Like, they just boy. announced Deadly Premonition 2. What? Like, just now? Oh. <laughs> my. <laughs> God. Yeah, oh, man. You, you know what I want to do, Hoss? Uh, I, I want to sit down with you, and I want to I write a video essay about David Lynchian video games. <laughs> so, I think we should definitely do that, because... I think it's right up your wheelhouse. I think we'd have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> How did this happen? Who was who, who our, our on the on the scene guy? Chet Chesterfield? What was his name? Chet Studley? Oh, uh, ch- uh, yeah, Chet Studley. That was it. Chet Studley. Man, Chet Studley with all the breaking news today. How about that? Crazy. Up <laughs> on the chopper. Up on the chopper here. Deadly Premonition 2 has been announced. Oh my god, that's crazy. They're bringing Doom 64 to the Switch. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> what a crazy Nintendo Direct. Did they announce it on Nintendo Direct? Yes! <laughs> so weird. Hey, get this. As far as announcements go, Overwatch let off for Deadly Premonition 2. <laughs> That's great. And I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Uh, that's Overwatch crazy. Overwatch jerked the curtain for Deadly Premonition Deadly 2. Premonition 2. The, the main event, Deadly Premonition 2. It's the uh, main event at, for me. We're, we're going to have to play that. We're going to have to play that on the on the channel for sure. Like, that's got to happen. Oh, man. Good times. Wow. All right, man. Uh, we'll call it before they do anything else crazy over there on that Nintendo Direct. We'll talk I about it next time. I think they're done now, though, but we're yeah. good. Thanks. <laughs> All right, All right guys. Shit. That's insane. What a what a what a cliffhanger to leave it on, guys. We're gonna we're we'll be back uh, with another episode uh, later on. Uh, that's it. We're out of time. We gotta go. Bye. Bye.